Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter one four eight of the Corona Diaries. Well, that was, yes, no messing. That was did, straight in. Did you like that? Yeah. Yeah. I I might, that might have been my best one ever. Yeah, it was, it was, it, you'd have sworn you'd done it before. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's loads of stuff we've got to talk about, you know, because of what fell out of episode 147. Oh, what fell out? Oh, my God, there was a lot of brouhaha, wasn't there? Oh, oh there was all manner of things. It all kicked off in the old purple group. It's turned into a chat room now, that, that uh, messages site. It's, it's somewhat lively. Yeah. Yeah, there's hundreds of messages now when I log on to that. It's got a village hall kind of feel <laughs> about it now, hasn't it? <laughs> yes. Um. I, which I feel we need to go through because just as a kind of a cleansing thing, I think we've got to we've got to talk these things through. Oh, all right then. Well, let's let's well let's start with the first one. Let's start with Ed Martin, who oh, explained yeah. to everybody why it's called Ash Wednesday. Did you read that? Um, I did, but I've been awfully busy. So I've been, if I'm honest, I've been skimming a bit. So I've been Have sort you? of here and yet not quite here. Right. Right. Well, what I, what I what I gathered from that, you know, those little palm crosses they make out of the the leaves every year for uh, for Lent for Easter, hmm. the kind of greeny ones that look like the kind of the, the leaf thing. Hmm. Well, apparently uh, it's Ash Wednesday because uh, every the year after they're burnt, those oh. old crosses are burnt, and that creates the ash that goes on people's foreheads. Oh, well, you know, these vicars have got to do something with their time, haven't they? I, yes, yes. I mean, I don't know how... I mean, do they have to go round and collect them all in? Do people bring them back? It's all... Well, more it's, questions than answers now. It's probably all lovely. Um, I'm, all, I'm all for loveliness, no matter how eccentric a form it takes. Right. Bit of loveliness. Yeah. Yeah, OK. Absolutely. So anyway, thanks, Ed, for letting us know what Ash Wednesday was all about. You're very kind. Um, you messaged me to say something about that fish tank, which apparently exploded. Yeah, exactly. I can't believe that, you know, I, I even mentioned it in the church in Oxford, didn't I? Um, I had a sudden re- re- recall. I think it must have happened uh, that week of December. And then, of course, I read the diary in which it was heavily featured and forgot to mention that that was the one that went kaboom. Mm. Mm. I wonder it, if it did go kaboom. It, it, I should imagine. It did, it, I mean, it was literally floor to ceiling of what was a multi-storey hotel. So it was three or four, at least three or four floors high. Um and uh, you know, and occupied the central space of the hotel, so I can't imagine how much water was in it. But they they did send, you know, people in, in frogmen went in to clean it, so it was huge. And um, you know, when the when the glass went, I mean, it must have been under colossal pressure, so it probably went with quite a bang. Right, I'm with you now. For a minute, I lost you there. When you said they went, they sent Frogman in to sort it out and clean it, I thought you meant after it exploded, at which point I thought, well, the ship sailed, surely, on that no. one. But you mean <laughs> while it was in situ? Yeah, that, I mean, right. that no, uh, it was routine to send you know people in there to swim about. and I don't know what they did. I think they just cleaned the glass and whatnot. Uh, had stethoscopes, you know, listened to the chests of the fish. 
Uh, check they were all all right. <laughs> so they weren't just frogmen. They were they were medical frogmen. <laughs> deep breaths, deep breaths. Um, hmm. <laughs> Imagine saying to a fish, "Can you breathe out for me?" Exactly. And in, and out. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> We're less than five minutes in, and we—I have now a picture of a frogman mm. in with a stethoscope, listening to a, a place. <laughs> uh, uh, it must have been wonderful to be there on the day when the frogman was in the tank. It was. I think. Uh, I think I did see somebody go past. You know. Think, well. What kind of a gig is that? I mean, how do, how do you get a job like that? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Previous experience not not required. What do you do? Fish tank know. diver. <laughs> Fish tank <laughs> diver. <laughs> what a great name for a band. Mm-hmm. I thought of a great name for a band the other day, but I don't know if I should say it because someone will nick it. Right. And I might want it myself at some point. So, so which makes it not a very interesting thing to have mentioned. So, I, but it, but anyway, I did. Well, other than the fact that the you know the jungle drums are now beating because you've just said you might need the name for a band one day. Well, you never know, do you? Right. You never know. You know, it could be a side project or a little, little, little sidey project. You never. Well, know. don't don't tell us then. Well, I've got a bit of a thing. I don't know if I should go public with that either. But, um, yeah, we've got um, Richard B emailed me the other day and we, there was two or three songs that we were working on a few years back and then we felt we, you know, we weren't... I don't know if... I don't think we felt we weren't getting anywhere with them, but we just left them alone. And so I will come back to these later. And um, he said he's been driving around in his car listening to them and he's got right into them. So maybe we should release them um, as a little EP on uh, Bandcamp or something like that, you know, just a digital EP. And uh, he sent them to me and they're great. Um, And I've thrown a few more bits of vocals down. So look out for that. I wouldn't be surprised if that appears at some point fairly soon. Mm. Bit of unfinished business from unfinished un- business. Unfinished mm. Barbieri business. Right. UBB. Right. He he didn't go off the idea, did he? After he came round to your house and was all very concerned about people making cakes and all that kind of stuff. Because he got quite disturbed by the village, didn't he? He was initially, but I think he slowly got into it. And then, um, I mean, Richard's problem is that I I live just too far away. He says, it's just too far. You know, if it was even 10 miles nearer London, that would be all right. But you live just too far away. And I know what he means whenever I drive home from London. There's a point on the M40 where I think, you know what, this just here would be all right, but... You know, I've still got 20 minutes to go. So it is It is just too far away. Um, but no, I do, it wasn't the village that put him off. I think it was, um, you know, I just got busy. And then, of course, he got the call from uh, Steve for more porcupine tree work. You know, they, they made an album and they toured, and that was extremely successful. Um, so... I guess that must all be done now if he's finding the time to send me an email. Cliff, <laughs> how hard does Steve work him? <laughs> oh, Steve's a stickler. Is he? Oh, yeah, they're, they're all proper workaholics. That lot. Right. Yeah, they're, they're very pro and very focused and, you know, clinical. They're clinical. They're not faffing about. They're not a bunch of hippies faffing about like we are. They're uh, clinical go-getters. Right. Mm, wonder kids. Right. right. 
Okay. Well, that we'll look out for that then. <laughs> yeah. You've oh gone. yeah. So yeah, do do because I'm. It's sounding good, and we we I think we sent it to Lucy um, to talk about the best way of getting it into the world, and she came and said these are fantastic. So she got um, excited. She's a woman of excellent taste. If you you know put Robbie Williams to one side. And, of course, this marks you telling the world about something way ahead of it happening as opposed to three weeks after it's happened. You've gone from you've gone from not mentioning anything at all or mentioning something three weeks after it's happened to actually mentioning something in advance. I know. It's dreadful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but there we are. It's all a bit random. The, it depends which pocket the roulette ball falls into in my mind as it spins round, really. Oh, I love that idea of what's going on in your head. <laughs> of a roulette wheel going round and a ball, and depending on where it drops, that'll be what you blurt out next. And it's never dropped on capillary, has it? Capillary is, you know, in the wheel, but no, the ball, the ball has, hasn't found it. And <laughs> uh-huh. um, of other bits of things we need to discuss while oh, we're yeah. on just stuff, hmm. purple bracelets. You said to me, mention oh, yeah. purple bracelets. Yes. Uh, well, there's a girl called Cindy in America, and um, she's been, uh, she's obviously been down the craft fair in uh, wherever she is. That's not a euphemism, is it? <laughs> no. Right, okay, she's just checking. She'd been down the craft fair and she's come home tooled up and she's made some little um, sort of leather bracelets with, you know, my little girl logo on. Yeah. In sort of inside a little glass bead that's in the middle and they're, they're pretty groovy. And she wants to sell them on the quiet um, to the Purples at Port Zealand. For charity, for uh, for the charity that we've got going, which I think um, it was going to be to do with planting a load of trees, but now, of course, we're we're gonna we're gonna dedicate all the money to the Turkish earthquake and Syrian earthquake um, disaster folk to uh, try and help with with that mess, um, and she's. She's going to discreetly. She could only make so many because she's a one a one gal show. Um, so they're going to be available on the merch desk, but underneath the merch desk, mm-hmm. a bit like illicit substances. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of tap the side of your nose and go, um, "I'm purple," and if you are, you can uh, you can view. The bracelets with a view to, um, with a with a further view to purchasing them, and all the money goes to charity. So that's quite cool. Because we've no real way of proving people are purple, have we? I mean, we we can do it with the spreadsheet, but I mean, in that moment, you know, in that moment where two people look at each other and go, "Are you purple?" Mm. There's no, there's not a handshake or anything, is there? No, no. Well, I think I think I should. We should just float that out there for them to work out for themselves, mm. don't you think? In the village hall chat. Yeah, because I can see that that will there'll be a hive of um, ideadom that that will right. break out over that. Um, yeah, yeah, could be a funny handshake. Could be, could be a twitch, <laughs> <laughs> a purple twitch. <laughs> Well, I love the idea of a purple twitch. (laughs) Maybe, maybe, here's the thing, right, maybe. So without mentioning it, you just whistle the first few bars of the inaugural Crooncast. So don't say what it is, because obviously we're on a normal episode now. But we all know what was the Crooncast on the inaugural Odds and Crooncast episode. Yes. Maybe just whistle a couple of bars of that. Yes. Why not? That would do it. Why not? And that would make the world a better place anyway. It would. It would. It would it would cheer up the merch sellers slightly. Yeah. Yeah. Right, let's do that. So if you're a purple, you'll have make sure you've heard the first odds and croon cast, which is mm. obviously now for non purples the only place you can hear the croon cast. Mm. 
you know what the first one was because it's created a bit of a stir. <laughs> Whistle a bar or two of that, <laughs> and you'll find yourself being able to purchase a, a, a purple bracelet. Yeah. That works, doesn't it? Yeah. Or at least it works for about five minutes until everybody twigs it. Works in your mind, Anthony. That's well, all possibly. that matters. Good, good. I, li- I like the fact you've gone with that. Um, so that's the purple bracelet. So that was another thing we had to mention. Um, mm. The other thing where it's kicked off, and I think we've had more comments on, on Patreon Patreon than for anything else we've ever done, has been the <laughs> prawn crackers for breakfast poll. <laughs> That and the contents of pancakes. Yeah, I, I noticed there was a frenzy. Well, the oh, frenzy but, on that. Yeah. Frenzy on pancakes. By the way, you you appear to have the zeitgeist on both of these. Frenzy mm. on pancakes because everybody agreed with you. Bit of lemon, bit of sugar, rolled. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. The kids are allowed Nutella. Mm. Um, well, you're not going to stop them, are you? No, you're not going to stop them. But for most of the purples, it's just the way you described. So I think mm. we got that one. We got that one sorted, which was fine. Um, but then the prawn cracker thing, you had it on that as well because um, we did a snap poll, a 24-hour poll, didn't we, mm. on whether prawn crackers as a little breakfast snack were acceptable or not. And if you remember, I thought they were and you thought they weren't. Now I find myself involuntarily... Retching. <laughs> Well, you know, just sort of at the thought. But there we are. It takes all sorts. I thought it was a representative sample. We had 249 people who voted. I mean, for fuck's sake, 249 people voted on this particular topic. That's amazing. That's more than Clarins get on a new skin cream. They usually say, oh, 25 out of 29 people agreed. And so 249 <laughs> voted, 50, I think it was 56 or 57% mm. agreeing with you that it that it's they're too clarty. So I just, just scraped in. Yeah. Um versus uh, versus 46. Oh sorry, 43 or whatever it was. That's uh, with, a bigger went, majority than 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 Brexit. voted for Brexit, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I, I 42 Sorry, forty-eight, fifty-two would have been quite nice in that kind of, you know, kismet mm. kind of way, but uh, but no, yeah, you you romped home, no doubt. Oh, shame we didn't uh, romp home over Brexit, really. Yeah, well, the public seems to be far less divided on the subject of prawn crackers for breakfast uh, for breakfast than it does about <laughs> Brexit. <laughs> and where do they stand on prawn crackers for Brexit? <laughs> well, prawn crackers for Brexit probably would have been the best way round, wouldn't it? Oh, there's probably all sorts of problems moving prawns. No. <laughs> but we had 70-odd comments on that particular... Just despite all the legs. Um, yes. Well, well done, everybody. We've g- Glad you got fired up over something. That's great. Yes. Yes. I think it's yes. very good that you did get fired up over that particular thing. And then finally, finally, we need to shout out to uh, to our Christine... Who normally mm-hmm. keeps us in check with, with regard to our language, who's taken it on herself to keep us in check with regard to our grammar. Oh, uh, the it's thing. The apostrophes. The, the apostrophe oh, thing. Oh, that's a can of worms. Mm. Mm. So um, there, was a, there, there wasn't the same amount of judicious checking of notes, uh, and I'm quite happy to hold my hand up. Um, well, it'll be I'm my not, fault, I'm, really. No, I'm not admitting it was me. I'm just saying I'm quite happy to hold my hand up. <laughs> I'm happy to hold both of mine. Yeah, we're both on it, look. But there not for long, because it makes like, you army. It's like the shittiest Mexican wave ever, isn't it? <laughs> um, so, so apologies for grammar, but if you are a purple and you want an explanation about how badly we got it wrong, just just navigate to Christine's posts. I've just got an image you now of a Mexican wave that starts in Brackley and ends in Heckman Dwight. That's a that's a hell of a hell of a wave. Norris McWhirter would be interested in that. Straight up the M1. Our Norris would have been really interested in that. Norris. Uh, that'd have been that would have been a record breaker. By the way, by yeah. the way, on that subject, Roy Castle came from round here. Oh, did he really? Yeah, from Huddersfield. Oh, lovely fellow. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, you met bit. Roy Castle then? Mm, no, but I know his son very well. I know Ben oh, of course you do. played saxophone with us a lot. Um, and Ben is like a reincarnation of Roy, both physically and spiritually. He looks exactly like him. And he's got that same shiny, waggy-tailed and yet very funny um, kind of spirit. Um, and a bit, you know, he's, he's, he's got a wicked sense of humour as well. Um, lovely bloke. And I'm sure Roy was exactly the same. Um, you, you can tell he's just... A kind of he's his, 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 his father's son. So, mm. if Roy was anything like Ben, he must have been lovely. Mm. And for and for those, and, yeah, with our seventies throwback hat on, uh, you know, a mainstay of our growing up, Roy Castle, really. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the old um, Guinness Book of Records, the old record breakers thing, which Marilla and are in, of course. Got... Oh, for the for the uh, DVD. Yeah, we've we've actually got one of those certificates on the wall at the studio. Oh. Yeah. oh. Whereabouts is it then? I've never seen that. Oh, it's probably, you know, <laughs> under the sofa <laughs> with all the prog awards. <laughs> oh, nice. We, we've never made a big show of our successes that <laughs> they tend to be. Tend to, tend to be holding doors open, the Prog Awards right. and right. whatnot, you know. Well, you've got enough of them to hold the doors open, haven't you? Yeah, we've got, we have. We've got quite a few doors as well. Yeah. Uh, but they're quite heavy, so they're handy for holding a door open. Uh, you can't do that with an Oscar. There's just not the mess. <laughs> but I haven't got one, you know, an Oscar. So. And that brings us to the final thing. On the subject, yeah, yeah. we had a few suggestions for um, for somebody to for the power um, video. And we there was a question um, in the, I think it was in the uh, the Olds and Crooncast about if there was a video for power, who who would be the the perfect actor to be the sort of uh, the, the character in that video? And we were struggling, weren't we, mm. to come up with somebody who had gravitas but was vulnerable. Mm. There's not um, too many. No. Um, and Anthony Hopkins has been put forward. Hmm. Well, it'd be great. It'd be great to have a Welshman. Um, um, uh, Ralph Fiennes has been put forward. Do you think Ralph's got the, you know, the vulnerability? I don't know. He always seems just strong, strong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I and I messaged you because I th- I thought of Branagh, you thought Ken Branagh, didn't you? Mm. Yeah, I'm just not you know au fait with actors enough to. I'm sure there's there's two or three you know absolute crackers. I'd want to be played by Rickman, but I don't think he's got the. Well, he's he's not drawing breath, is he? But he's. He's got. He probably hasn't got the vulnerability, has he? I don't think he's got the vulnerability now. But he's got menace, menace yeah. and charm, a plenty. Um, don't know. What about Val Kilmer? Val? I'm just what about Richard Richard E. Grant. Yeah, has, has he got the vulnerability? Vulnerability? I don't think he has. Mm. Harrison Ford. He can do vulnerable. Yeah, let's have Harrison. We'll have Harrison. Yeah, that would be in my dreams. That would be that would be great, wouldn't it? Right. So if we're going to do a video for Power, we want Indiana Jones in it. <laughs> we want Han Solo in it. That's what we're saying. We want we want Harrison Ford, um, who um, who built Sergio Mendes Studio, hmm. the very same Sergio Mendes who left a message on my guest book that I didn't believe could be him that turned out to probably have been him because Lewis knows him and says it's the kind of thing he would have done. So there we are. So there we are, all links together. Mm. Right. Um, oh, go on. No, no, you carry on, you carry on. No, I, I was, I, I was going to, I was just going to lay out another sort of tenuous link between me and someone else. But, but unfortunately, when you said go on, go on, the ball flew out of the roulette wheel and it's gone now. So I don't know what you I'm just want to say. say, Capillary now, don't you? <laughs> it's, gone. 
Capillary. Capillary. The roulette ball has finally landed in Capillary. Who <laughs> toured a Jamaican distillery. Yes. Yes. I love that. That's my favourite thing of today, the idea that there is that roulette wheel in your head and and there's there's however many things on there and it's just where the ball lands, that's where you blurt it out. Yeah. That's kind that's of how, how, how my brain is. Um, what I thought we did today is we'd go for two different sections of diary. So um, you know we, when you we, throw a ball in and it hits it hits on little bippy things and flies off the table altogether. Well, that's what happens when I go quiet. <laughs> Someone has to scrabble around, find it on the floor, find your roulette ball. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you were saying. I don't want to know how they get it back into circulation. No. No. Uh, it's, um, it's all metaphorical. Of course. Um, we're going to go for two sections of diary today. So they're, they're both sort of a page or so long, um, but I thought we'd, we'd, we'd flip between the two. So have one section, have a quick bit of banter, have another section, have a bit of a wrap-up. Okay. And I can't pronounce, oh, and I can. So is it Rostock was the first place that we... We were at Berlin last time, weren't we? So it's Rostock to start. Rostock, yeah, that's how you pronounce and then, that. And then you jumped somewhere else, and I didn't know how you pronounced that. That's Braunschweig. Right, okay. So I thought we'd do those two together, mm. and then we'll have the first day in Oldenburg. Okay. We'll do the two of those together. Yep. And then what, we'll, we'll have Oldenburg as well? Yeah, but we'll okay. have a gap in between. All right. So then. as far as the outside world's concerned, the next thing you're going to get is those two days of diary, 23rd November, 24th November. Then we'll have a little chat. Then you'll get another day to finish off. All righty. I'm ashamed to say I haven't read it today, so we'll have to... Uh, what will we do if you're going to ask me about it? Well, what do we ever do if I ask you about something <laughs> that you can't remember? All right, then. Let's not worry. I should big up. Uh, I should big up John Bushby, who is a newbie to the Purples, after what has been a very quiet period. Uh, maybe people have been getting over Christmas, but um, I got a newbie. So, big well, why don't you dedicate this bit of diary to him? I will. I will. I'm going to dedicate Rostock to John Bushby. Welcome aboard, John. Tuesday, 23rd of November. Rostock. Not pretty here. Out of the front of the bus, I could see typical Eastern European drab, ugly tower blocks amidst grey, cold skies. What's the opposite of the Maldives? Rostock. Had a coffee on the bus before braving the rain and the cold across the car park, past the three buses and five trucks, and through a big metal side door into what could have been a warehouse, steelworks, or slaughterhouse, into the gig. Down a couple of corridors to catering for a cup of coffee. Can't remember much about today apart from the two heavily wrapped characters who seemed to huddle in the rain by the big steel door. Autograph collectors, I assume, all day long in the rain. This might represent a high point in their lives. Do I know how lucky I am? Occasionally, but only momentarily. I started to feel pains in my stomach and spent most of the rest of the day in and out of the toilet. After sound check, I felt distinctly unwell and retired to the bus to sleep. Lying in the dark with my stomach aching and my body feeling strangely opaque and without energy, I tried not to worry, but the thought of having to roar around in front of several thousand people in a couple of hours was more than a little daunting. If I had a proper job, I'd have taken the day off and stayed in bed. I downed a few doses of Pepto-Bismol and hoped for the best. By showtime, I was optimistic from experience that I'd be fine once I got up there. I have gone up there feeling much worse than this and still got away with it. 
Back to the dressing room for tequila and Red Bull. Tastes horrible, does a job. Into the stage clothes and onto the stage for the Invisible Man. I gave it everything I'd got and the reaction overall was good by the end of the show. Afterwards, I showered and said hello to Jim and Sweets who had driven down from Sweden before making excuses and getting back onto the bus to bed. I later learned that Deep Purple had invited us to their dressing room for drinks. The rest of the band went. Typical of me to miss that one. Wednesday, 24th of November. Braunschweig. Woken by Nile around 10. We had agreed to get up and not miss breakfast and catering. I normally appear as they're clearing it away. We went over to the gig, a big grey circular thing which resembles a gun emplacement on a destroyer. The surroundings are immediately more attractive than yesterday's. I could see a single gothic bell tower standing in a park, not seemingly connected to anything. Looks like one of Carl Glover's album covers. I feel much better today. Had a bit of breakfast and then decided to take a walk into town with Niall and see what's going on. We walked past the tower which looks as though it was once joined to a nearby church with a bit missing. Either the RAF or some other form of demolition. We walked past another big church into a wide square where there were trams parked and a huge Parthenon-like building. All these towns have a rat house, town hall, at their centre. Maybe this was it. Couldn't resist a quick look into a double-fronted shop called Afghan World. Mostly rough woven clothes, including a pair of genie trousers, which had my name all over them. But they'd have probably looked daft on me, so I resisted, for once. No evidence of Afghan coats, Afghan dogs, or opium, so we moved on. We entered a pedestrianised area of boutiques, department stores, the usual stuff found in every European town centre now, and Niall decided to return to the venue for the load-in. I decided I'd stay in town and have a wander, found a newsagent and bought a copy of The Independent, a shadow of its former self. I remember when it was worth buying The Independent on the strength of its amazing photography and the quality of the printing alone. The headline is of the attack by North Korea upon a civilian populated island in South Korea. That Kim Jong-il isn't just ill by name. He probably feels the need for one last paragraph in the history books before he pegs out. But the bastards always live forever. What is it about the obvious, historically proven futility of war as means to any end, that I can see at least, that these dictators fail to grasp. It doesn't matter whether you look back five years, 50 or 150. It just doesn't achieve anything. Went to Starbucks and had a chai latte with the intention of reading the paper, but bumped into Jens sitting in the window and chatted to him about this very subject. He reckons it's all about money and the need to keep stimulating the arms business by replacing weapons. It's a convincing motive in the absence of anything more moral. We talked for a while until he left to get on with the show. I walked around Braunschweig, taking a few photographs, until driven back by the cold air to the gig. I had agreed to proofread the new forthcoming Web Fan Club magazine, which took most of the afternoon. That Jim Sanders sure generates a lot of words. It looked great, as usual. There can't be many fan club publications so well put together as ours. It must take him ages. Soundcheck was fine. I hung around to help replace a switch in the midi cricket bat afterwards. It's been a while since I did any soldering, so I quite fancied doing it myself, much to the irritation of Niall, who would rather have fixed it himself for me. While we were fiddling about, I said hello to Don Airy and his tech-stroke son, Mike. Lovely people. Mike wanted to listen to the cricket bat, so I passed him the headphones. He was amused and impressed. We're gradually getting to know Deep Purple's crew now. Chatted to the monitor engineer, Rob, who's also a good bloke, with a great face. Equally fascinated by the cricket bat device. We went to catering for dinner and I had a fish curry. 
Kill or Cure, which was very nice. These caterers are awfully good. Finished proofreading the mag and emailed my few comments before hitting the shelf. Gig wasn't great for me. Went on stage without my in-ears in my ears and had to fish around for them around the back of my head. Later lost them all together and didn't get it sorted out for a song or two. Didn't help with the getting going of the mojo and I didn't think I sang too well tonight. My voice is starting to feel strained and isn't going where I'm sending it without a struggle. Pitching seemed difficult tonight and the crowd seemed reserved. Naturally, I'll always blame myself for a low crowd response, just as I feel inclined to privately take the credit for a good one. It's not quite that simple, of course. During Deep Purple's set, I said a quick hello side of stage to Steve Morse, who said he thought it was a tough crowd for them tonight too. He briefly took me on one side and said, You've got a great voice, man, before returning to the stage. Cheers, Mr Morse. He looks nothing like John Thor. Back on the bus, watched some old Mock the Week episodes on Dave, TV channel. Jeez, that Frankie Boyle takes freedom of speech to the acid limit. Quote, the Queen is now so old that her pussy is haunted. She should put him in the tower and stretch him a little. Funny though, it wasn't long after that he strangely disappeared from our screens. Apparently he'd said Olympic gold medalist swimmer Rebecca Adlington had a face that looked like it was reflected in the back of a spoon. And that did it. My guess is that there was a quiet word from the palace to find a pretext for his exile. Still feeling a little under par, I thought I'd get to bed sooner than later. And for the first time today, we're back. Here we are. Um, and the fascinating couple of little entries there, starting with Rostock, where you were basically ill. Yes, I think I must have had the runs. Um, I, you do get on tour runs sometimes. It's probably a product of not eating solid food. I, I usually forget to eat solid food a lot. Or I eat, you know, breakfasts in questionable cafes in towns. Mm. Uh, they're both um, good sort of um, recipes for diarrhoea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, that's a good recipe for diarrhoea. <laughs> what am I going to do with all this diarrhoea? Oh, that's quite a nice recipe. <laughs> <laughs> but what it meant was you ended up missing drinks with Deep Purple in their dressing room after the gig. Yeah, cool. I, yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing that... It's typical of me, you know, do a whole tour with a band, they invite you for drinks and that's the one day you just don't feel up to going, which probably made me come across as a very big time, but uh, it wasn't. I was just probably totally buggered. Um, mm. So in the unlikely event that the, any of you are listening, chaps, um, that was for real. I was just feeling shit. Mm. What a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. shame. Because in the in the next day, you mention a couple of other bits about Deep Purple and about you getting to know the band a bit more and the crew a bit more. Um, so clearly, you know, we've said this in in the previous weeks as well. Clearly, it was a, a nice tour to be on, and everybody seemed to get on, and everybody slowly came together, which is which is great. Um, but the bit that fascinated me about the next day, and there's loads of things I could have picked on, but the the, the phrase that struck struck me with a little bit of fear and dread was. You wanted to do some soldering. Yeah, well, you know, when I was young and deft, um, before I was old and deft, um, I I was um, I was into all that. You know, I did a degree in electrical engineering, and I used to build amplifiers, and I used to build things. You know, with soldered irons and. It was all discrete components back then, darling. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I even worked as an amplifier repairman for um, a man called Rick Harrison in London in a shop called Music Ground. 
And Rick now owns a guitar shop, which I think is still called Music Ground in, in Denmark Street in London. Um, but in those days, he was still in Doncaster. Um, and I was his amp repair man at weekends. And I, I must confess, I was fairly rubbish. But um, I knew my way around a soldering iron, much to my mother's chagrin, because I often used to solder on on her lounge carpet and blobs of solder would drop into her carpet um, and make little black holes in it. But, but I mean, that, that right there is... Um, it, it sort of shows what a, what a top girl she was because... I don't. If, if Vibes was doing shit like that, I, I'd have probably strung him up by now. And my mum never strung me up. She always used to just let me get on with making black holes in her carpets. Um, the other thing I used to occasionally do is, in the summer, when you've got shorts on, uh, drop little blobs of solder onto your bare legs. That makes you jump. <coughs> So, Have you still got a soldering iron? Yes. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, you've got to have a soldering iron, is not it? And when was the last time you broke your soldering iron out? It's been a while. Well, probably about a year ago. About a year? I was pondering making myself some Jack leads just the other day. Were you? Because that's fact, the obvious thing for a musician, isn't it? You make your own leads, don't you? Yeah, you do, especially when you young and skint because they're a damn sight cheaper if you make them yourself and usually a lot better than the stuff you buy in shops um but i bought a well it's a piano um and there's like a retro kit you can get for them uh that makes them sound better and we bought it and i never got around to fitting it and i do from time to time when i'm in the studio screaming away think oh Oh, I should go. Oh, I never put that in there, did I? So, I, one of these days, I'll get my soldering iron back out and and uh, open my world at the piano up. Because back, you know, back when I was young, I always had all my instruments in bits. I always had them, you know, apart and faffing about with the innards, um, retrofitting things in mini moogs and whatnot. Um, but I guess I've, it's been a long time since since I did anything quite so adventurous. Does anybody else in the band solder? Does Mad Jack surely special case solders? Oh, I think he does, but you know, <laughs> people people try and you know gently lead him away uh, before <laughs> before it gets that far. Before it's before it's hot enough to work, he's been gently <laughs> right. he's been gently led away, and it's been discreetly switched off again. Um, but but yeah, Mark Mark no doubt solders. Um, now Pete used to be a TV repairman, uh, which is one of the funniest things you can possibly imagine. The thought of Pete inside the back of a television is is truly horrifying on so many levels. Um, for everyone concerned, really, for for the owner right. of the television, and also for uh, for, tri- for for PT, because um, there's a lot of vaults inside the back of an old telly. Uh, but apparently, he was a TV repairman for a while. Um, that must have been hysterical. But you know, I'm just <laughs> loving that. I'm just loving that. I'm loving. I'm loving. Some old dear wandering into a lounge with a cup of tea for Pete and no sign of him, and then she'll go, oh, Peter, and then he just stands up from behind the telly. With his hair all stuck up on one end. Looking a bit like Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Exactly. <laughs> Black and soot all over his face. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's I brilliant. told you about him turning the television pictures upside down, didn't I? I must have. No. Done. Oh, that's an absolute classic. When we were at Hooken Manor, um, I must have told you this. I can't imagine leaving this out. But when we were at Hooken Manor making uh, Season's End, the cook was called Sandra 
And she had a little ritual about five in the evening every day where she went and sat in the, there was a, a sitting room or a drawing room or whatever, whatever posh people call rooms where they go and watch telly. Um, and she used to go and put the TV on and watch EastEnders, I think. It was her little ritual. Uh, and then she'd come back in and carry on making the dinner. And so we thought it'd be quite funny to turn the TV picture upside down because we we learned from Pete that he knows how to do it. Um, because in the old televisions, if you loosened the bolts that held the the big coil on the back of the vacuum tube, you could spin it round. And when you spun it round 180 degrees, the picture was upside down. And Pete knew how to do this. So I think... You know, he occasionally did it in hotel rooms and just left hotel rooms with the televisions with the pictures the wrong way up, just for devilment. You know, I mean, Led Zeppelin threw them out of windows, but Marillion turned the pictures upside down. It's a bit more ed- educated, isn't it? Oh, um, that's a lot. That's a lot classier. Yeah, exactly. A bit more refined. Mm. So, so I had the idea of of Pete doing this to the television, but us then picking the television up and putting it back down, upside down, with the legs in the air, uh, so that when she switched, when she switched, when she wandered into the room, picked up the remote and selected EastEnders, the picture would be the right way up, but the television would be the wrong way up. Um, And then we all hid to see what she'd do, and sure enough, she went into the she went into the TV room, pressed the on button with the remote, and then sort of stared aghast as she realised that the television was upside down, but that the picture was the right way up. And uh, I wandered into the room and said, oh, "All right, Sandra," um, and she said, "The picture's the right way up." And I said, "What do you mean?" She said. Well, somebody's turned this television upside down, but the picture's the right way up. And I said, oh, well, it would be, yeah, because you know, it comes in through an aerial. It's, you know, it doesn't matter which way up the telly is, the picture will always be the same way up, because it's coming in from an aerial. And she went, oh, oh I suppose when you think about it, that makes sense, doesn't it? And uh, we, all, we, we all had to control ourselves. Um... We were all tittering quietly to ourselves in a very misogynistic style. I, I, I think we might need another poll on whether the purples think that's really mean or really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I've I mean, got a sneaking suspicion I know which way Christine's <laughs> going to go. <laughs> It was a great That's moment. A cr- that is a great story. <laughs> oh, I, I love that. I love that. Um, so you still solder then? I do. Back to that. I you do still solder. Still brilliant. solder occasionally when when the need arises. Yeah, brilliant. I, I, I reluctantly though, especially in front of people, because if the word goes round too much that I know what I'm doing, I'll be given all kinds of shit to do. Yeah, you will. So I try and keep that. You know. It's what? a musician thing. If you've got a musician mate who can solder, they're forever doing shit for you. Exactly. Or someone with a van or a pickup, that yeah, yeah. kind of thing. It you fits wanna... in the same vibe. <laughs> you want to keep that quiet. Keep it quiet. <laughs> See, I've got a soldering iron in the garage on a shelf that's never been used because I've never learned how to solder. It's up there next to the two cats. Oh. Because oh, we've soldering. never spread the ashes of the cats either. The only thing you need to know, oh, that's a shame, isn't it, with the cats? Uh, but the um, the only thing you need to know about soldering is to get plenty of solder on your iron and then always make sure you tin your two surfaces first. And by tinning, what you do is you you make sure you put the soldering iron on the th- on, on, you know, of the two things you're trying to solder together. You have to put the soldering iron on one of them and then some solder until the molten solder runs onto it. Then you go to the other 
thing that you're going to put on, uh, whether it's a wire or whatever it is, and you you do the same. You put the wire on a hot soldering iron, and a, you 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 put the solder onto that, so you get some molten solder running onto that, and then the two things are what you call tinned. And then when you put the two things together and put your soldering iron on them, the 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 and a bit more solder, then everything is joined and you don't get a dry joint. Right. But you've got to be a bit you've got to be a bit careful because if you leave a soldering iron on a wire too long, it gets too hot and all the plastic insulation melts away. And that's a bugger. So you, there is a bit of a there's care to be taken. Who would have thought? <laughs> who would have thought when we started this <laughs> that by one forty eight we were doing solder tutorials? Yes, yes, yes. There's all sorts of top tips. The problem with soldering is you need three hands ideally, and people only right. have two. Right. Uh, a third hand would be of immeasurable use, um, and so if you're a pro, you have a you have a tiny little vice that you know is on the side of the desk to provide that third hand, and you put what you put one of the two things you're trying to solder in the vice first, then you only need your two hands left. But it is it is a it is a bit of a, it's a fiddly thing soldering. There is an act to it. And the best thing you can do is buy a really good soldering iron. Don't skimp. Don't buy one of those cheap 35-quid jobs that you just plug in. Ideally, you want a weller, which is which has its own transformer on a little sponge that you can clean your, the end of your iron on. Um, and there, you know, you, you, I think they, they, you probably need two, two or 300 quid for a weller, but... That's what you want, really. I can't believe if I said to you, as, as a rock singer of, of however many years, have you got a little vice? You'd say to me, yes, it's in the outbuilding next to my soldering iron. Exactly. It comes in quite handy for soldering. <laughs> On that bombshell, let's go to the second bit of diary for today. Dave Megan always maintained that the edge was like that. You know, the edge from you too. Never happier. Oh, I can see than, him soldering. Never happier than, you know, if he was got the hot soldering iron in his hand. Oh, I can see that. Can you? No doubt about yeah. that. I can see that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Do you know what? When I thought when I originally thought we'd do two diary readings today, mm. I thought that that's fine. We know not too much talking, we'll have the diary readings. And then we've gone off and done a full a full 15 minutes on soldering. Oh, yeah, the, the tutorial. <laughs> um, so so it, this is now going to be a longer episode than normal because of the solder section. Ah, okay. Um, so we'll very quickly go to Oldenburg, but we probably won't ask any questions about Oldenburg. We'll probably just say, say Tatar after that, and we'll do the first day of Oldenburg and come back to the, the balance of Oldenburg and Hamburg next week. So Thursday, okay. the 25th of November, you've got a day off in Oldenburg, Take it away. Here it comes. Thursday, 25th of November. Oldenburg. Day off. Fell out of the bus into the cold air of Oldenburg. The slightest few flakes of snow were falling. Don't remember this place at first glance. Was not to remember it at second glance either. Checked into a curious hotel, the Altera, a boutique hotel in the centre of town. Room 509. Nice. Has a place next to the bed to charge your iPhone or play your iPod through a little speaker. I stuck my iPhone on it and put the music on random shuffle. Spookily, first up was Frank Sinatra, singing Let It Snow. Showered and waited in for Lynetta to call me. She's in Banbury, shopping with the boy. Spoke to her, five inches of snow in Yorkshire apparently, and snow forecast in the village later in the week. She's bought him a red sledge. Let's hope they get enough to give it a whirl. 
I went into town and bumped into Rothers in the Christmas market. He directed me to where Nile, Pete and Marcus were having a glue wine at a little stand, so I joined them for a while before going to look around. Bought a little light-up house for vibes. Yes, another one, at a stall. The lady serving was from South Korea. We had a brief chat. She said she was very worried about the situation there. I'm not surprised. It must be awful to have your country on the brink of war with a regime run by a lunatic. No God, of course, or these fuckers would choke to death suddenly on their own caviar. It never seems to happen. I told her I sincerely hope the situation blows over without further bloodshed. I could see how worried she is, and I had to choke back a tear myself as I said it. What a world. I found a cafe and spent the entire afternoon writing this diary, which has slipped somewhat since Berlin. Around six I walked back and saw a long-sleeved black t-shirt that I liked the look of, so I went inside the shop and bought two before returning to the room. This took a while because I tried them on and kept getting distracted. There was some interesting stuff in the shop, but, you know, blokes get worn out with clothes shopping pretty quickly. I might go back tomorrow. Well, we were all due in the hotel lobby at 7.20 to go to the Irish pub and celebrate Steve Rothery's birthday, so I managed to quick call home to Lynetta before I had to run. All seems fine. Sophie's popping in later. I was hoping to catch her on the phone, but time is against me. The heating is working just as well. Vibes sounds happy, although he doesn't want to speak to me on the phone today. Kids are great. They don't do anything out of consideration for other people's feelings. You know where you've got them. Met up with everyone, band and crew, and went round the corner to the Irish pub and occupied one corner of the upstairs room. Paul and Scott, our bus driver and truck driver respectively, had already been drinking for a good part of the day and were in rowdy good spirits, much to the amusement of all. Paul is a revelation. He's been very quiet so far on this tour and I've had difficulty sussing him out. Some people are two people, the sober one and the one with drink inside them. I tend to prefer the person with the drink inside them, although I can think of a few examples where this isn't true. Some people should never have a drink. Some people need a drink to show themselves. This seems a shame. I'm not sure if it changes me much these days. I just get a bit more amorous, which rarely seems to help. I'm probably amorous enough sober. And a bit more honest, likewise. Well, we toasted Steve's birthday and had a spot of dinner. I had beef and Guinness pie and it was very nice. I finished Ian Mosley's chips for him and they were also yummy, like school chips. I then finished Steve's apple crumble for him. Scavenger singer. At one point, I thought it was going to get out of hand with the drivers, but the food seemed to calm them down a bit. Niall seemed quiet. He said he was tired. So was I. So we walked back to the hotel around ten and to our respective rooms. BBC News 24 seemed to have inexplicably disappeared from TV Channel 55, which left me with no choice but to watch CNN if I wanted English. CNN irritates the living daylights out of me. It's like some kind of pretentiously highbrow presentation of news. Not news, but endless, oversimplified and obviously biased presentation of showbiz dressed up as fact, and an obsession with global finance without ever shedding any real light on anything. Let's face it, those bankers don't go public with the bottom line until it's been safely capitalised upon by themselves and exhausted of any potential profit, at which point it's deemed fit for consumption by the proles. That's when we, the public, hear about what's going down. It's more or less the same with the news. Sort it out under the table and then let the public have the filtered dregs in the press release. The chattering classes, I include myself, form their, our opinions, from the news, and we debate it in homes and in pubs. But I believe, especially since Iraq, that we have no more chance of knowing what's going on than a peasant in a field in China. Paranoid? 
As John Helmer once said, maybe a paranoid's just someone in full possession of the facts. These days I tend to agree. Elle never called, so I dropped a text or two. Turns out Sophie's still there and they're into girly chat, quiet time. That's good. It also ruled out any chance of talking to Elle before half twelve, by which time I was selfishly grumpy and tired. Slept well, though. And we're back! And as I said before, we, we're just going to say tata really from there because cause we've ended up running away with ourselves with a whole soldering sort of escapade. Mm. Um, I, I, feel, I feel we need an extra... We might have to do a, an odds and croomcast with some form of solder reference now because <laughs> I think we've unlocked the future, really. Yeah. I don't know if there are any songs with soldering in them. Maybe um, I'll have to write one of my own. She's solder than me. <laughs> She's solder <laughs> That was quick. Do you like that? Yeah, I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> there was a solder, a Scottish solder, and it far away and sold it far away. He burnt his... <laughs> he burned his winkle. It made him tinkle. Right. <laughs> I think we better say goodbye. Yes, yes. So I was just reminiscing back to the shorts. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.